Hello and welcome to this episode of the Print on Demand Playbook Podcast. I'm your host Adrian here with my co-host Carrie, and today's in today's episode we are going to be discussing five ways to improve your print on demand sales. These are probably the five areas that we get asked about the most. So we have decided to take a deep dive on each of these areas, and I think you're going to be very surprised by the one area that we actually both think is the most important and most overlooked. So we're gonna jump in, it's gonna be a lot of fun, but real quick, before we begin, if you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast. It helps us reach new listeners and it helps you never miss an episode. So thank you so much. We are so glad you're here. And just before we hop in, here's a quick word from this episode's sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Gelato, the world's largest print-on-demand network. Gelato enables individuals ranging from e-commerce entrepreneurs to artists and creatives to establish their own global business. The magic of Gelato is that they focus on local production. The item being delivered is produced in the country that the order is placed almost 90% of the time, leading to many benefits such as lower costs, faster delivery times, and most importantly, reducing carbon emissions. The focus on tech to knit together over 130 production facilities across 32 countries is truly unique. Thanks to this, they currently have the highest customer satisfaction score in the print-on-demand industry on Trustpilot. To check them out for yourself, go to sixfigurefounder.com slash gelato and use the discount code POD playbook, all capital letters to get 60% off your first order when placed within 72 hours. That's the number six figurefounder.com slash G E L A T O. You can also find the link and discount code in the podcast show notes or in the video description on YouTube. Welcome to this episode, Carrie, my man. What is going on today? What's up, dude? How are you, man? I'm doing really well. Doing really well. Um, led a, well, as you know, of course, I led a really fun Instagram growth strategies masterclass yesterday for our six figure founder group. And it was so much fun. We got a lot of positive feedback. And I've literally already seen people in our community starting to apply these strategies, which is super exciting. We had one dude today that he was starting to go viral on Instagram and he was using this strategy. Uh, I I can tell that you have something to say, so go ahead, take it away. No, I, sorry to butt in. I just, the the, the class was absolute fire, flames. Uh, If you guys don't know, I mean, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you know the kind of energy that Adrian brings. I just wanted to tell you guys out there, Adrian brings that energy to pretty much everything he does. Every time he fires up a class, every time he speaks, you know, he's always bringing like huge energy. Uh, I even remember a couple months when we, a couple months ago we went to dinner. It's just like, it doesn't matter what time of day it is, how you're feeling. Adrian brings the energy. So the class yesterday was just flames, absolute fire. Uh, and yeah, like you said, uh, we have, we have a, a, a student named Seth who, um, posted, posted a reel like yesterday today or something. And it's, it's about, it's like hitting 10,000 views already, which is kind of, kind of going mini viral, which is really cool. Probably higher now. That was this yeah. morning. Yeah. It could get, yeah, it could go crazy in a matter of minutes. So yeah. it's wild. Yeah. It's, it, it was really exciting to see. I just love how this group, man, they take action. They are like quick really rapid action takers. And those are 
to be honest, the most coachable <laughs> students, Absolutely. but like to be fair to them, they're, they're going to have the highest chance of success because they're the ones that are putting in the work. And it's just so exciting to see that these people are, they're the real deal. And it's just exciting to see people make more sales and hearing about results. We've got a quick win section in our community where people are sharing their quick wins and kind of sharing strategies with everyone. It's just like, awesome. I, I cannot say enough good things about it. Um, but speaking of kind of feedback and, 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 and communities, I need to shout out because we just love getting testimonials from our listeners and we want to recognize you guys. We want to acknowledge you guys every single week. We want to shout someone out. So this, uh, this testimonial, this review is from Valwini. Valwini, love the name. And she says, or maybe he, I'm actually not too sure if it's he, they say, love the podcast. I was so excited to see that the episode was available so early in the morning. I'm on the East Coast. So being able to hear it on my way to work was a highlight of my day. I look forward to future episodes. Valwini, thank you so much. Thank we you. We really thank appreciate you. you. We really appreciate you taking the time to write that review. And we're going to keep bringing it. We know that a lot of people like to listen to our podcast on their way to work or on their way back from work that we've heard that from multiple people. So um, we do try to intentionally get them out early on Friday mornings so that you guys can listen to them on work, on the way to work. Can I tell you something crazy, Adrian? And, and I'm going to share, share this with you, everybody who's listening. We have had over, we have had, prepare your mind. We have had over 35,000 streams on this podcast since we since we started. Is that insane? 35,000. I think it's actually more than that, but like from my calculations, that, like, like you need it, like one of those buzzer like <laughs> Yeah. 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 Can, so so I, I just want to say thank you. I have it. It's just not hooked yeah. up. But on my little buttons, but I, we just want to say a huge thank you. We we just appreciate you. <laughs> it's 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 absolutely wild. We're we're blown away. Uh, yeah, it's only been, it's only been a few months and, and over 35,000 streams, which is crazy. Um, so that's, that's, that's pretty insane. Yeah. You ready to dive in my man? Yeah, let's, let's just jump right in. So today's episode is five ways to improve your print on demand sales. So Carrie, why don't you take it away with number one? All right. Number one today. So yeah, so five ways to improve your print on demand sales. Uh, this is going to be really, really good stuff. So definitely buckle in, lock in. I think we've got five categories here, five big areas uh, we want to help you with today. So the first way to improve your print on demand sales is niching down. So one of the most common mistakes that we see, I don't want to call it a mistake, but one of the most common things that we see uh, when, when just looking at all of these print on demand stores is a lot of people either don't have a niche or their niche is really hard to understand, you know, or whatever the case may be like th that. That's kind of what I typically see is they try to go too broad, too general, or, or it's just not clear. And I always think that, you know, if, if you, if you have to explain your niche, especially to your ideal audience, if like there has to be an explanation in your marketing mm -hmm. and people don't know what it is right away, that's a red flag that, you know, maybe your niche isn't clear enough or maybe you're not niched down enough. I'm a big believer in, you know, really niching down far and trying to differentiate yourself that way. Uh, not just, you know, being broad, like just dogs or just, you know, whatever, a sport or something like that. 
but trying to go a little bit deeper. And so I think we just see a lot of stores that are too broad and it's really hard to sell when you're trying to be everything to everyone, right? Like yeah. uh, if you try to be everything to everyone, you end up being nothing to no one. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of the quote about it. So this is a huge mistake. It's one of the most common things we see. And it's, and to be honest, it's really hard when you get in further into your business journey, it's hard to go back and like redo everything. So it's always one of those things where I'm like, if you can niche down at the beginning, you know, get that foundation at the beginning, get the right niche, be niched down, you know, uh, at the beginning, it'll make things a lot easier. And as you go and especially as you're doing your marketing, it makes it so much easier when your niche is super clear, super easy to understand, you know, it just makes it easy to market. And when it's not, it's really hard to market. You're trying to figure out who's my customer and what are they interested in and how do I, how do I market it? But it makes everything really simple when it comes to marketing, when you have a clear and easy to understand niche. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like your goal should be to plant your flag in the sand and try to become the king or queen of the niche 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 whatever uh so what you want to do is what what i recommend generally is start niche start by niching down you can go kind of more broad as you grow but Mm -hmm. be known for something first you need to identify who your ideal target audience if you don't know who your niche is if it's unclear or if it's everyone it's going to be very hard to create a really dialed in community that is passionate and passionate enough to buy what you're selling So, you know, we talk so much about creating designs that evoke emotion and relatability. If it it relates to everyone, it's probably not going to evoke that much emotion. Um, So this is something that we talk about. We have a whole episode dedicated to this topic, but we just wanted to mention this because this is so I like I think it's very overlooked, but it is so foundational. This should be the first thing you do. If if I were to coach someone today that said, I'm interested in starting a t-shirt or apparel brand today, I'd be like, okay, first things first, determine who your niche is, who do you wanna serve? And then we can start creating products for those that ideal target audience. It's the, but, it's the first thing we look at. I mean, we've yeah. been reviewing a lot of stores lately in our six figure yeah. founder program. We've been doing, we do, we do unlimited store reviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can get your store reviewed as many times as you want, like all the time. But, um, but, uh, it's one thing, it's the first thing we look at, right? Like we pull up a store and it's the first thing we do is go, all right, what's the niche. And we want it to mm-hmm. be super clear, easy mm-hmm. to understand. And it, yeah, it, we, and I think it shows in the results uh, to kind of just to wrap up this point, but we, we see the stores that we see that have better results. They have like clear, clear as day niche. It's just like, yeah. this is what it is. You know, there's no, there's no like, well, I'm kind of thinking about this and it's kind of, it's kind of, you know, hard to understand or it's, or it's not super clear. It's kind of, you know, or it's like, well, I just, you know, this is one, I, I don't want to offend anybody, but I just want to like inspirational t-shirts you know it's like mm-hmm. ah it's so hard it's so hard to do so that broad. it's so broad right like that could mean mm-hmm. so many things but i feel like that's a thing people go to maybe when they don't have a clear niche that they're passionate about they're like well mm-hmm. I just want to inspire people i'm just gonna do like inspiration or like good vibes you know those kind of things right. and it's just like man yeah it's gotta it's gotta it's gotta be more specific because it's it's just hard in the beginning when you go into this massive niche, you know, it's the whole red ocean, blue ocean thing. Yeah. You go into this huge niche. It's like, how are you going to fit into that? There's big sharks in this mm-hmm. huge niche. You know what I mean? 
but niching down and, and serving a smaller a smaller group of people uh, in the beginning, you can start to get momentum and traction and sales a lot quicker because you're right. you're not as small, right? In a smaller right. group. Right, exactly. No, I, I totally agree. And it, it's not saying don't do an inspiring shirts. It's just saying do inspiring shirts for a very specific audience. Yeah. You know what I mean? Get more specific, dial down a couple layers. Maybe it's inspiring shirts for moms who love to, I don't know, run or, or something. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just like, you know, I'm just thinking on the spot here, but like add a couple layers to that um, because it's just inspiring shirts are everywhere. I walk into Target and I see inspiring shirts. You walk into Walmart, you see inspiring shirts. It is so hard to create a very strong emotion evoking inspiring shirt that isn't everywhere mm-hmm. kind of, you know? So uh, yeah, that, that is probably one of the ones I see the most commonly, uh, where it's like, you know, it, it's tough. It's you're, you're fighting an uphill battle because you just have such a massive amount of competition out there. Everybody under the sun is selling inspirational shirts, but if you can differentiate and sell them for a very specific audience, then all of a sudden it's a t- totally different game. Mm-hmm. So, all right, let's jump on to number two, and this is probably the number one area that I see people struggling with contrary to popular belief. And maybe some people disagree with me, but I totally agree with most of the students that I have coached. This is the number one area. It is their t-shirt designs do not evoke emotion and relatability. So the, the, the kind of tip here is improve your t-shirt designs. Simply put, if you're struggling to make sales, it's probably because your current t-shirt designs aren't compelling enough for people to buy. And you shouldn't take that personally. That's totally fine. Neither were mine when I started. Carrie, when I started my first t-shirt business, I dropped 50 designs and they were all flops, not a single winner. And you know, you, you can't take it personally. Just what you need to do is instead, take that energy, that kind of heartbreak energy, and harness that into releasing more designs. And eventually you'll start learning what your ideal target audience likes and wants. Too often, I see people blame factors like Facebook ads or some kind of kind of social media advertising is a reason that they're not making sales. They're like, oh, I spent all this money on Facebook ads, I'm not making any sales. The truth is many times people just don't want what you're advertising. These are humans on the other side. Like. It's not yes, just an, it's algorithm. an algorithm. It's it's an algorithm. It's not, it's that, not like, just an algorithem. Like it's real people. Exactly. It's not like there's robots that are that are like, oh, if you spend enough money, you're gonna make sales. That's that's not how it works. Like you actually have to have a product that people want to buy. So if you don't have a winning design, I recommend that you just stop spending your hard-earned money on poor performing ads and focus instead your efforts on creating and testing new designs. One winning design is all you need to take your business to the next level. But without a winning design, you're going to continue to struggle. I say it all the time. You're always just one design away. Like your next design could be a six figure design, but maybe it won't. And that's okay. It just means back to the drawing board. And the more designs that you drop, the quicker you're going to understand what your audience wants. And then you can optimize on that. So if you create one that you see is performing better than the others, you can take some tips from that, deconstruct it, reverse engineer that design and be like, okay, what was it about this design 
that got more engagement, maybe mm-hmm. on social media or my email than the other ones. Did it evoke emotion and relatability? Was it funny? Was it, you know, was, did it pull on your heartstrings? What was it about this design? There's something, there's, there's something there. And what you mm-hmm. can do is you can just keep tweaking until you find what works. And then when you do find what works, you can literally just double down and ride that for so long. There's so many things you can do. You can remix it. You can, uh, you can make, uh, you can repurpose it. There's so many things that you can do with the design. You can come out with trending colors. You can put it on different products, but you have to get there first. And that's why I'm very passionate about this point. Improve your t-shirt designs. And the, the, the solution here is just keep dropping designs until you find what works that eventually you're going to find what works. If you have a, you know, if you have a niche specific design and there is a community for that product, then eventually you're going to find what works, but it can take time. So you just need to be patient. Don't take it personally and just keep learning as you go. Yes. So good, dude. Uh, first thing I would say, just a quick tweak. We're talking about print on demand sales. So this applies to like, not just t-shirts, any, any print on demand products you're selling, uh, your design is really, is, is the biggest part of it. What I would say is, and I, you know, I'm sorry, I'm about to just poo poo on the rest of our points here, but (laughs) (laughs) this is the most important point. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have seen, I have seen some really, really bad websites that are making crazy sales. And mm-hmm. the, the, the simple reason for that is just really a really good design, a really wow. engaging design. And I'm telling you, as important as things like reviews and things like a niche and all those, those are so important, right? And mm-hmm. they can make incremental, incremental improvements in your sales. As important as those things are, um, if you have a winning design that really grips people that like, that people cannot say no to. I mean, think about that. If you can create yeah. designs that make people say, I have to have that, they will look past all the other things to get that, to get that design, to get that product or t-shirt or whatever the case may be, right? If it resonates with them on that level. So what we should be focusing on outside of, you know, regardless of everything else, you might be a horrible web designer and that's okay, you know? <laughs> focus on your designs, the best designs that you can possibly get doing the market research, testing enough designs so that you can find what works. And that's going to lead you down the path of like looking at the data, seeing what works, making better designs, looking at the data, seeing what's works, making better designs. And that's how we get better. That's how we make more money. And so this is the most important thing is improving your t-shirt designs to increase sales. That's above everything else. 100%. And just going on that point that you said about, you know, you could, you could have a terrible website and still have a lot of success with, uh, if you have a winning design, the same goes for ads. I have seen some cringeworthy ads that are killing it. It's like the product is so good. It's exactly people will overlook things Mm -hmm. if it's something they want and need. I've seen some sketchy ads and just, they're, they're just really bad. They, in so many ways, but if they're selling something that people want, they will make 
sales. So that is one of many reasons why this is so important. You need a product that people actually want to buy before everything else will work, like your website and your design and your niche and, and whatnot. So, yep. Um, all right, let's jump into number three of five ways to improve your print on demand sales, and that is improve your creatives. And by creatives, I am referring to the imagery that you use for your products and your ads, as well as the ad copy and call to action that you use in your ads. So personally, I've always found that imagery, and I think Carrie, you'll agree with this, imagery is so much more important than the ad copy itself. Mm -hmm. I mean, people can argue this if they want, but honestly, at the end of the day, the image is going to be the first thing someone sees. That is what is going to stop the thumb, that stop the scroll when someone is scrolling through social media. And you could have the best copywriting in the world, but if people don't like the image enough to buy the product or to even stop and look at it, it's not going to make any difference. It's really not. And one of the most common issues that I see is that either the imagery itself is very poor quality or the design is too small or partially hidden and you know maybe this seems obvious to some people but we see it a lot like a lot where designs are obstructed and you can't see it and you got to remember a lot of people 80 to 90 percent of your traffic is viewing your images from a mobile device and if your design is too small or obstructed if there's hair over the design if if you know there's some other if they're wearing a jacket and it covers up part of the design most people are going to skip over it they're not going to take the time to stop to scroll in and try to make out what that design says so not only you know is the uh not only is the quality of the image important, but you also just want to make sure that it's the hero of the image. You want to make the design the hero of the image, and that's a way to improve your creatives. So that is what I would say about that. And the last thing I'll just start to reiterate, please make sure that the design is easy to be easy to read from a mobile device, because you should assume that your ideal target audience has probably seen this somewhere on like Instagram or Facebook or TikTok, and you just want them to be able to see the design. You want it to pop. You want it to be in their face. That's what's most important in the ad creative. Doesn't matter if you have the entire model's body. It doesn't matter. You know, I would cut off part of the head. That sounds really bad. Or I would like crop it at the waist or something if it meant that the design was more apparent in the ad creative itself. So carry your thoughts. Uh, I just want to add one thing, really just going back to the first part of talking about your, you know, the, the image being the, the most important part of the ad. I think I mentioned this before, but I want to challenge everybody who li who's listening, go to Google images and just type in, you will read this first. You will read this first go to Google images, type in, you will read this first and click on the very first thing that comes up. So basically there's this, um, there's this, uh, uh, little image, super simple image, uh, and it's set up exactly like a Facebook ad. So that's mm -hmm. why I really like it because we all, you know, many of us use Facebook ads, but mm -hmm. it, it says it has text and it says, you will read this first and then you will read this, then this one, <laughs> and you will read this last. What I always find interesting about this is it really just puts it in perspective how important the image or the video is in your ad in in your actual ad 
because by far people are going to look at the image or video first. Mm -hmm. But then, but then what's interesting is next they look at the headline underneath it and the call to action there. Right. And then usually it's actually the last thing they do is read the ad copy. So, you know, some people would, would interpret that to say the ad copy, you know, the actual text in the ad might be one of the least important things, which is kind of wild to think about, you know, and I think it's still important. But the headline, the image, and then the headline are going to be the most important things in your ad. And so improving those and getting better at writing ads and actually writing, you know, coming up with enticing images, videos, those kind of things, uh, that's a skill. And that can greatly improve your sales because it will help you drive cheaper traffic and more traffic to your website. And so, yeah, I mean, that's so important. The, yeah. cheaper, the cheaper we can drive traffic, the bigger our profit margins are going to be, right? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's so funny. Like as you were saying that, I'm like, all right, Google, you will read this first, go to Google images. And I literally read it in the exact same order. Same yep. order. You said, knowing that you were saying that I would read it in that order. It's like yep. even being totally cognizant that you, you explained it so well. And then I go on there and I literally read it in the exact same order. It's like, I should have not read it. I should have said, go to yeah. it. And then like, tell us what you think or something like yeah, email no, us it, us. it's so powerful like that yeah. is that is so so true and i was actually listening to another podcast the other day and they were talking about how very few people these days read captions and i, I think it was i don't even want to say a stat because I'll, I'll probably weigh off but it was like a significant number of people say they never read captions or they rarely read captions and I do think captions are important because if you can stop the scroll, if you can create a thumb stopping image and a headline, usually they will then go down and read the caption. It's kind of like a funnel, right? Like the, it's yep. the image and the headline, then the, then the caption call to action, and you want them to read it all. And if you can stop them in the first place with the image, they'll probably get to that. And that's good. That's what you want. Ideally, you want all of those areas optimized. But absolutely, the image is the most important. It's what I see. Like, I've run terrible ads in the past, man, with like hardly any caption, a couple words, like nothing special, but people love the design. Mm -hmm. And that was what made them so effective. So, um, uh, you know, it's funny about that is um, I watch a ton of YouTube. Like, I watch mm -hmm. basically, I watch sports on TV. Mm -hmm. Outside of sports, I don't watch TV. And then, like, I just watch YouTube. I think that's how a lot of people kind of a lot, a lot of people yeah, do. Huge, yeah, YouTube. But uh, but on YouTube, I found myself not reading the title of the video, just mm -hmm. clicking on videos because of the thumbnail. Yeah. And sometimes, like when the so when the thumbnail is really good, I'll click on it. But then sometimes I'll get like two minutes into the video and I'll be like, "Wait, what is this video about?" Like, because I clicked on the <laughs> thumbnail thinking it was about you know, oh, it's it, the thumbnail whatever's on the thumbnail hooked me in. But then right. I read the title and I'm like, wait, I don't, want to, I don't even want to know about this. <laughs> like I'm just looking at the thumbnails, you know, I don't even read the title. It's kind of, it's kind of wild. Uh, totally. And that, like you that's how it works. Like, yeah. You look at thumbnails, how optimized they are nowadays. Like there are literally freelancers who all they do is create thumbnails for YouTube. And mm -hmm. some of them are crushing it, man. I've heard stories of people that make six figures creating thumbnails for YouTube videos. Wild for other people and there's like a kind of a science to it. So you're, you're definitely right. Um, and I really think the same goes for social media, like on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, that kind of thing. So for sure. Well, yeah, I mean it, it, yeah. Even like thinking about TikTok or reels, it's like mm -hmm. all you do is scroll like 
Right. Does anybody read the caption? I mean, maybe every once in a while, I read the comments right. more than the captions, right. you know, but you're just, you're literally just swiping through videos, but. Yeah. One thing I like to do a little pro tip here. I think a lot of people do this. It's not like, Ooh, I created it or anything, but one thing a lot of people like to do is if they want to stimulate engagement, which every algorithm loves, what they'll do is they'll ask the question in the video. So if you're doing a reel, if you're doing a TikTok, even if you're on YouTube, instead of writing the question in the caption, which a lot of people are not going to read at the end of the video, ask a question and ask the people, ask the viewers, to comment below, comment in the comments. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that sounds kind of redundant, but you know what I mean? And man, that is so much more effective for, for getting engagement. And that mm -hmm. is what you want. That's what's gonna, what's, that's what's gonna contribute to the virality of your post. Yep, so good. All right, let's move on to number four. Number four is improving your website. So um, really the main thing that we're talking about here is conversion optimization. Mm -hmm. And there's a few different areas that you can improve your website. And it's cool because a lot of these are pretty small tweaks you can make. And so, you know, where do I want to go with this? I, like, if you think about it, if you're, if you're running, if you're running ads, you're, or you're getting traffic from social media, whatever you're doing, any kind of traffic, you can run all this traffic to your website. But the reality is if your website is not converting into people into sales, it, it's, it's useless. You're just going to waste all your money. And I always think of it like, you know, any, any, um, any big purchase you ever made in your life, like a car or like, you know, a, even, even a TV or, or, you know, something that probably, probably a little bit bigger purchase. But if you, you know, this company, if they're to drive all this traffic to say a electronic store or something like, and you come in there and you have a really bad experience with the salesperson or they're too pushy or, you know, or the store's dirty or the prices are too high you know, or whatever the case may be, like you go in and have a bad experience, you're probably going to leave and not, you're going to go somewhere else and not buy it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Not buy the thing you came for. And That's what always kind of, I, yeah, I, I always just think of it as like a retail store. I always think of my online store as like, kind of like a retail store business. You mm -hmm. do all these efforts to get people to come into your store, but if the store sucks, you know, mm -hmm. the customer experience stuck sucks you're not going to have good sales numbers. And like you, I think you mentioned, you're not going to get repeat business. Um, and so there's a few different things that you, that you can think of. I want to ask you guys this question listening. When was the last time you actually tested your website's checkout process? When was the last time you went, opened up your website, went to a product, pressed add to cart and, and went to the checkout and you know, tested it out, put in your payment info, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. Like when was the last time you tested that tested that out and made sure it was running smoothly and quickly? When was the last time you pulled up your website on your phone? Which mm -hmm. by the way, is like 80 to 90% of the traffic that you will get to your website is on mm -hmm. a mobile phone. So important that your website is fast, it's running smoothly, the checkout process doesn't have any hiccups, like your shipping is working correctly and calculating correctly. That's one I see a lot is the shipping is not uh, calculated correctly. And then when it comes to like more conversion optimization type stuff, do you have high quality images? Do you have mm -hmm. you know FAQs? Um, mm -hmm. Do you have trust badges? Different things like that, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the, the most important proof, like reviews, one of them. Yeah, I was getting, that's where I was going is one of the most oh, important sorry. thing is your social proof, mm -hmm. actually having reviews on your website. Uh, and I have a few stats here uh, that I want to mention, if you don't mind, Adrian, uh, that I just You're think are really powerful. That. What was yeah, that? Fire away. I would love that. I think the listeners would love that too. Fire away. This so is I'm going awesome 
I'm going to fire you off a few social proof and review stats. These might, these blew my mind. So hopefully, hopefully they, they kind of blow your mind. So number one, nine out of 10 shoppers read reviews before making a purchase. Mm. 90% of people read the reviews if they're there before making a purchase. I totally do. I am one oh. of those 90%. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I'll read the reviews before I make an online purchase, especially because you can't like touch and feel and smell and taste and try it on whatever. You know what I mean? I think about like Amazon, pretty much every, everything I order off Amazon because mainly because there's so many different listings. Mm. I always read the reviews. I try to find the ones that have best reviews, which by the way, those, those Amazon sellers, man, they're sneaky. There's a lot of those reviews are not, not legit, but yeah, that's a whole oh, other yeah. story. Oh, dude, there are so many third-party services where you can go and you can just get like a ton of reviews. It's My wife not- keeps getting gift cards. She keeps getting emails. Like yeah. she'll buy a product and they'll email and be like, we'll give you a $50 gift card to leave us a review. And it's like, maybe I shouldn't be saying this on a public podcast, but <laughs> like the product will cost like $15 and they'll give her a $50 gift card. Like what? It doesn't even make any sense. Um, but they're just, that's how important social proof is that they're willing totally. to pay like three or four X the product cost just to get one review. Anyway, well, think about it on Amazon. Like you look at like most of the sales, if someone is choosing between the exact same product and there's five listings and one has a thousand reviews and the other have like 30, the only differentiator you're going to go with. I yeah. like, like you mentioned, I have a friend who literally gets paid to do reviews for products and it's really sneaky. Um, you know, they, they send her the products and then they like, somehow they compensate her and then she writes a five-star review and it looks like it's totally legit, but it's, she's actually getting like paid by the company. So this is, this it's is wild. going on. It is, it is a big thing. Yeah. I wasn't meaning to go there, but anyways, let's get back to, <laughs> let's get back to the uh, stats. There. All right, let's go. Back. These, these get a little bit crazy though. All right. When a product has only five reviews, the likely likeliness of it being purchased goes up 270%. Man. That's wild, dude. If you, five, that's it. If you have five reviews, the likelihood of being purchased goes up 270%. All right, dude, next. You could get, can I just say something? You could get five reviews from family and friends. Yeah. You know, like that is, that is not hard to get. And to think of the upside of doing that, that is just awesome. So here's a couple, here's two stats on just the overall business reviews. If a business has more than nine current reviews, they earn 52% more revenue than the average business. Mm. So you got nine reviews on your business. You earn 52% more revenue than the average business. If a business has more than 25 reviews, they earn 108% more revenue than the average business. I want that. I want 25, 25. (laughs) Okay. Two more purchase likelihood increases by 15% when buyers read verified reviews over anonymous reviews. So a verified review is basically just an actual verified purchase from a customer. If they leave a review, um, so that the likelihood purchase, the purchase likelihood goes up 15%. You have 15% better chance of getting the sale. If you have verified reviews over anonymous reviews. That, that kind of makes sense because mm-hmm. like it, it just adds so much more legitimacy when it it's like a trust there. badge. Exactly. It's like a trust badge. Uh-huh. Yep. The last one I got, this one's kind of, kind of interesting. When a business replies to at least 25% of their reviews, they earn 30% more revenue on average than the average, the average business. So just replying to your reviews yeah. and saying, thank you. Like amazing. You know, like, mm-hmm. And it also speaks to if you ever get a bad review, 
Mm-hmm. It's way it, it it helps you a ton more to reply to that as a business and totally. and say you know hey we're so sorry like take responsibility mm-hmm. if you can you know and and put you know hey we'll make it right we want to you know like put it publicly what you're doing about the negative review mm-hmm. and that can actually turn into a positive uh, in, in a lot of cases because people love to see the agree. customer service. Some some of our unhappy customers end up being like huge cheerleaders because mm-hmm. they love that the way they love the way that we handled. A lot of them they just want to be heard. Like most people are not going out taking time out of their busy days to write negative reviews just for the sake of harming a business or writing the negative review. Usually they're just upset, and a lot of times all it takes is a little bit of acknowledgement and just a little bit. Sometimes they don't even want anything in return. They just want to be acknowledged. Um, and if your, you know, if your brand can be the one to respond to them, it's not only going to potentially turn them into a really happy customer, but like you said, Carrie, other people are going to see that and they're going to respect your brand so much more. They're like, look, these people are like taking accountability. I actually think it helps your legitimacy. Kind of like, you know, a lot of brands, you don't want all five-star reviews mm-hmm. because it looks fake even looks if fake. it's all true even if it's a hundred percent five-star reviews people are just going to think it's too good to be true that they, they think it's going to be fake and a lot of brands they they want to show like a 4.5 or a four out of five or something to to make it look more real but um yeah i just that doesn't mean that doesn't mean you need to go give us four-star reviews on podcasts no, right now okay we're not. looking for five stars we are looking to be like that one that has a hundred percent five-star reviews. How many reviews do we need before it looks fake? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm just kidding. All right. Next point. Sure. Next Gym point. Stats. Yeah, no, those are great stats. All right. Number five. This is a biggie. This is, I think the one that people think about the most, and there's a good reason for that, even though I think the designs are personally a bit more important than this, this is still huge, very, very huge. And that is number five of the five ways to improve your print on demand sales is improve your marketing. And one one kind of idea that I teach to, to my students is, Avoid being the jack of all trades and the master of none. And what I mean by that is most successful predominant businesses that I see, they built their business off of the backs of one primary social media platform. And there's so many examples, many examples, quote, brands that are massive now, like e-commerce unicorns, like Pure Vita bracelets, movement watches, blenders, eyewear. These brands were built off the back of Instagram. They went all in on Instagram. That is where their primary focus was. And they had a ton of success because of that. So when it comes to marketing, here's what I recommend. Choose one main channel to acquire customers and choose one main channel to retain customers and commit to dominating those two channels. Become an expert in those two channels. You can have more. You can totally have an Instagram and a TikTok and a Facebook. No problem. But I strongly recommend hitching your wagon behind one of them, putting most of your effort into dominating one of them for both acquisition, acquiring customers, and retention, keeping customers. That's all you need to create a six or even a seven figure brand. You just need to have one, you just need to be really good at one channel for getting new customers and then one channel for retaining those customers. And what I mean by that is getting them to come back again and again. So kind of to expand on this, 
uh, I call it a primary acquisition channel. So an acquisition channel, a primary acquisition channel is a platform that you will use primarily for the purpose of acquiring new customers. Whereas a primary retention channel is a platform that you will use primarily for the purpose of retaining customers and encouraging them to purchase on repeat. Because we all know that the profits are in the repeat sales. That is where the real money is made. So when it comes to acquisition channels, there are actually so many that you can leverage, but I generally recommend starting with social media since it's free. There are a number of ways to get in front of a lot of people. You can connect with niche specific communities and you can chat directly with your ideal target audience. You can DM them, you can comment on their, on their feed, you can comment on their stories. There's so many ways. And you, you actually sometimes even hear stories of people doing this with like celebrities. They'll, they'll reach out to a celebrity, they'll DM them on a social media, and surprisingly, some of them will actually get responses. But you can do the same for, for your brand. So right now, the big three that I see most people using are Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Would you agree, Carrie, that those are kind of the big three right now? Like those are most successful e-commerce brands today that are crushing it on social media. Their primary acquisition channel is almost always either Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. I rarely see yep. any others. I'm sure they exist. Some that use Pinterest or Snapchat. Twitter. Or, or Twitter or uh, a blog, you know, but honestly, like more than nine times out of 10, the, the successful brands that I'm seeing, the ones like the, the people that we coach, it's Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Yep. So, yeah, absolutely. So, and then for the retention channel, you know, the primarily retention channels, like I said, the, the purpose of them is to retain existing customers. So you bring your customers in with social media, you introduce them to your brand, you get them to follow you, then you convert them into a customer, you collect their email when they visit your website, and then you use your retention channel to remarket to them. And the most popular ones by far, the most popular two retention channels that I see are email and SMS. And I think they're both great. I use both of them. I recommend that everyone start with email and then introduce SMS as a next step as you, as yes. you continue to grow, because I don't, I want it, I, you know, I, I want it to be simple for people. I, I, we want to create a very simple process that will get people results quick and then they can kind of expand as they grow. But you don't want to spread yourself too thin at the beginning. That's why we say one primary acquisition channel, one retention channel, that's all you need. Carry your thoughts. That was a mouthful, man. You crushed it again. Um, that was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's water. Uh, no, I, instead of, instead of really like adding to what you said, I, I just, I just want to talk about consistency for a minute. Cause I, I just, mm. I'm, I'm, I don't know that, that was the thing that clicked for me. Uh, at some point in this journey about everything is like, mm -hmm. you know what I think it really was, was, uh, was doing YouTube. I think that was the, the biggest thing, which is kind of weird. Cause I mean, obviously like when I started my first, uh, apparel businesses and, you know, had some success and everything, one of the, but I think, um, one of the reasons that I had struggles, one of the struggles I had in my, in my apparel business was consistently getting sales, like mm -hmm. consistently having revenue each month. You know, mm -hmm. when I went through, I went through some, I had this whole nother story, but I went through some rough times with the apparel business and everything before I really got, got some consistent momentum. And mm -hmm. I think what I didn't know yet was like, you have to do your marketing 
consistently over mm-hmm. longer periods of time. Like I was doing email marketing when it was convenient. I was posting on social media when I felt like it, you know, and, and it's like the consistency is so important. And when I started putting out videos on YouTube, and I know this is not necessarily related to uh, t-shirts, but it's, it's, um, it's just to kind of show this. When I started putting out content on YouTube, I committed that I was going to put out a video each week, mm-hmm. every single week, no matter how many people were watching. And it took me, it's taken me three years just to get to 20,000 subscribers on YouTube, which is not a crazy huge number, but you can see the consistent growth with just consistent videos each and every week. And when it comes to social media, uh, so what I do now is anything new that I'm going to try, I try to set in place a 30 to 60 day uh, timeline to be consistent over 30 or 60 days and don't even look at any of the data or try to analyze it until that period is up. So yeah. if you if you're out there right now and you said the first first step, you say I'm gonna I'm gonna get my marketing strategy down one platform, etc. The first step, where are your customers, potential customers already hanging out, right? And and as you mentioned, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok are gonna be the three big ones. It could also be Pinterest, it could be Twitter, it could be Discord, or it could be Reddit, or you know these aren't necessarily all social media platforms, but you need to make a list of where your ideal customers are hanging out. Mm-hmm. choose one platform. Okay. And then say for the next 60 days, hell or high water, no matter what happens, I'm putting out at least one unique piece of content each day. If you can mm-hmm. do two, do two. Okay. It's all about volume in the beginning and testing all these different things and trying to see what works. And do you tell yourself, I'm not even going to care about views, comments, likes, I don't even care for 60 days. I'm just going to put out I'm just going to put out 60 pieces of content, one one piece per day for 60 days. And sure, you're going to make adjustments as you go. Sure, you know, you you you're going to see if something's starting to work, you know, but you talk about this so often like so often we mm-hmm. give up before the miracle, right? Like we give up yeah. when we're 3 feet 3 feet from gold. Um yeah. and, and and we're going and maybe we maybe we commit to do it for one week and we do it for a week and we didn't get any results and it's just like what if you would have gone 30 days or what if you would have gone 60 days? And I think on social media, I think 30, really 30 to 60 days of consistency is a good sample size for you to see, you know, what works, what doesn't work. It's just trying different things on that one platform. So I just want to preach about consistency. I think in like, not even just business, so many areas of life, consistency. If you want to get in shape and yeah. you're, you're out of shape, you can't just go to the gym once tomorrow and then be ripped next week. Like you have to go to the gym for the next six months every single day. And you have to, you have to like go hard every day for six months. Do you think you're going to see results after six months? Heck yeah. It's all about the consistency, right? But you might not see results in two weeks. You know, if you give up after two weeks, right? Same thing with diet, same thing with investing, right? Any, Mm -hmm. any great, investment advice or investor will tell you their advice will be most of them i should say hey just it's it's actually the 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 boring way is the best way right just mm-hmm. dollar cost average every day consistency that way you're going to hit the lows of the market and the highs of the market and over time you're going it's going to average out you're going to make tons of money and over a long period of time so it's it it just it rings true in so many areas of life but i think social media pick one channel one strategy and commit to do it consistently over a longer period of time 
make mm-hmm. adjustments as you go, but do it every single day. I promise you'll see results. Mm-hmm. And if you don't see direct sales, you'll see things that you can pick up on that you can then do more of and analyze the data and then make better decisions and make better content. And you'll continue to get closer and closer to your goal. You just got to commit to, to be consistent. Yeah, man, that was that was so well said. Consistency is so key. And there is a quote that I absolutely love. I think it's from Atomic Habits by James Clear, which is one of my favorite books of all time, by the way. Highly recommend if you're an entrepreneur and you're looking for a book, like a, a good entrepreneurial read, Atomic Habits. But um, I think it was from that book where he says, detach from the result and focus on the process. And yes. I absolutely love that because I think people beow, 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 so, beow. right? Like that, that hit home for me. I was like, man, that is so true. So many people get hung up. They'll post for like five days and they'll be like, oh, I'm not getting results. It's it doesn't crickets. work. It's like it was crickets for me too after five days. You know, it took me eight months of posting consistently, you know, and like some people are going to see results a lot faster than that. But some people it's going to take time. If you commit to consistency, you're going to see results. It's just it's just a matter of time. So I, I couldn't agree, man, that was just so well said. And I'm glad you brought that point up because I think a lot of people, well, sadly, I feel like print on a man gets kind of a bad rep as like a get rich quick scheme, which it absolutely is not like this. Not is how we teach it, especially not, not how, not how we've done it. And how I think how we teach it is like me and you are much more passionate about helping people build long-term sustainable brands and ah. businesses, not just like, I'm going to throw up a hundred designs on Amazon and try to make a few dollars. That's not sustainable, totally. you know, totally I'm not and hating like, on you. If you do that, we love you, but yeah, no, but like you with YouTube, that's exactly what I did for my coaching business on TikTok. I actually did my own 30 day TikTok challenge. I said, I'm going to post a TikTok every day for 30 days and I'm just going to see how it goes. And I just told myself that quote, detach from the result, focus on the process. Whether it's, I get one view, I'm going to keep going for 30 days. I'm going to give it at least 30 days, but I I knew I was going to keep going. I just wanted to like kick it into high gear. I just want to start off really strong. And I continued to be very consistent after that. But I told myself, it's, it's always good when you set the goal because then you feel more accountable to it, right? So I set that goal. And I remember like at the beginning, it was it was discouraging. I kept posting TikToks and it was just like crickets, crickets, crickets. But then like all of a sudden, because I was posting such a high volume, I started seeing that some were performing better. And I was like, oh, success leaves clues. I'm going to take, I'm going to reverse engineer why this probably did better than the other ones. And I'm going to try to create more content like that. And I optimize and I optimize. And within a year, I grew from zero to 15,000 followers. And maybe that's not much for a lot of people. But this was during a time that people told me it was very hard to grow on TikTok, that it wasn't as easy as it used to be in the old days. And Mm -hmm. everyone said like those days of going from zero to 100,000 overnight are over. And I was within one year, even with taking some time off from posting, I was able to get to 15,000, which I was happy. That was... That was life-changing growth for me. That mm-hmm. is how I got, you know, sponsorship deals. That's how I got students. That's how I met you, Carrie. Like you knew who yeah. I was because of my TikTok, but it all started with a 30-day challenge and I continue to remain consistent and I'm still consistent to this day because that is my primary acquisition channel. So kind of bringing that full circle, I decided 
wow, like I'm seeing some success here. I'm going to dominate this channel. Like I'm going to commit to dominating this channel. And it's been amazing. And the exact same thing can happen for you for your business. But you need to know, like, don't expect overnight results. Most people don't get those. Even the most successful brands, a lot of them didn't get overnight results. Just like any legitimate business, the growth comes with time and consistency. So, yeah. So good, dude. Yeah, I think I was going to say, I was going to say something else, but I can't remember. Oh, I was going to say, to add on to what you said a little bit earlier, just think, yeah, I just want you to think, if it's literally as simple as, if you put out 30 pieces of content, one every day for 30 days, mm -hmm. think about the sample size you have that you can literally just go look at the data. What mm -hmm. got the most views over the, these 30 posts? Mm -hmm. Then from there, you just go, all right, these three posts were my best performing posts. So now I'm going to do another 30 days, but I'm going to post more posts like these for the next 30 days, right? And wow. those in theory we'll get we'll do better and then you you look at the next 30 days and you go okay these were the best ones let's tweak and let's tweak and let's tweak that's how this game works that's, totally. that's literally the same thing when you're running ads you run a bunch of ads and you go all right these did the best let me run more ads like that you look at your designs you go all right these designs did the best let me make more designs like that that's how this game works and if and like we said if you give up after five days uh, there's not enough, there's not enough data there to know anything. You know, you're I don't know anyone early. who's had success after five days. I don't yeah, know whatever. who's had success for 30 days. Like this, like overnight success is a myth for the most part. Yeah. In my opinion, most people that come across as overnight successes, even if it wasn't in that industry, usually they've got years of experience in something else. I remember there was this really successful kid in e-commerce a couple of years ago, and it was like, there were headlines like, oh, the 17 year old makes six figures with his e-commerce business. And I learned more about him because he was a really interesting dude. And I found out that he had been like selling on eBay since he was like 12. He was like seven years deep in the game or, or five years deep in the game before he actually really took off with his e-commerce brand. Yeah. And so many times that is the story that you hear. If you actually talk to the person, most of the time they will say they were not an overnight success. They're like, no, I've been working at this. Even if it was like doing different businesses, I've been trying Dude. to be an entrepreneur for like five to 10 years. And you know, <laughs> I was flipping, I was flipping iPhones at like 18 or 19, like buying them on <laughs> Craigslist and flipping them on eBay, you know, doing, doing it with iPhones. That's my first, one of my first endeavors. Yeah. I had yeah. so many failures before I got into apparel, man. It's like multiple failures. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Anyways. I, yeah. Great episode, dude. I think that about wraps it up. Any yeah, final thoughts? I, no, I think that that is a lot. I don't want to overwhelm people too much, but I hope people really enjoyed this. Let us know what you guys think. And this was a lot of fun. See you guys in the next one. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Print On Demand Playbook Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us an honest review on whatever platform you're listening on, whether that be Apple or Spotify or Google, or if you're watching on YouTube, just leave us a comment down below. Let us know what you think about this podcast. We'd love to hear from you. We'll see you next week.